Welcome to Churches Planting Churches, a podcast on the theology and practice of church planting. I'm your host, Tony Morita. Church planting is demanding work. Creating and sustaining gospel communities around the world requires relentless commitment to our great commissioning by Jesus to go and make disciples of all nations. Church planting is worthy work. We work for the glory of our King, anticipating the day when a great multitude from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages will stand before the throne, loudly crying out, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Our labors include both victories and defeats. And just as we encourage one another during our trials, we rejoice with one another in times of triumph. We celebrate God's grace in our church planting endeavors with hearts of gratitude. With me on the podcast today to talk about his trials and triumphs in 10 years as a church planter is Eric Roseberry, lead pastor of City of God Church in Lafayette, Indiana. Eric is currently pursuing a PhD in New Testament. He's married and has four children. Welcome to the podcast, Eric. Hey, Tony. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here today. Yes, sir. So um, now, first of all, let's just pronounce Lafayette, Lafayette, uh, Indiana. Yeah, Lafayette, Indiana. So I grew up in Versailles, Kentucky. Uh-huh. So I've always had the pronunciation thing with my hometown. So not Versailles, Versailles, Lafayette. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Well, I was in Louisiana and it was Lafayette. Okay. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So. Uh, and Eric spent Eric and I spent a little time in uh, Versailles, Kentucky recently. Uh, my parents live uh, near where he grew up, and so we got to hang out during Thanksgiving break. That was cool. Yeah, I didn't know if this was going to be a half-hour Kentucky basketball or if we were going <laughs> to get into other stuff, so I'm happy with either. <laughs> yeah, we could definitely do 30 minutes on Kentucky basketball, but I don't think that's why they asked me to do the podcast. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> uh, so you just celebrated 10 years, right, as a church planter of uh, City of God Church. Yeah, we are turning 10 years this month, so it has flown by. Man, I, I want to I talk about that because that seems like uh, forever probably for some church planters just getting yep. started. Uh, and then others perhaps have reached that point and wonder uh, what's next or uh, what is this next season? Uh, what, what should it look like? Uh, but before we get there, tell us a little bit about yourself, how you came to faith uh, and your journey into church planting. Yeah, so I grew up in church. I had a mom who made sure her kids were there. And then uh, around high school, had a youth pastor who really started to invest in me. He was the first guy who really encouraged uh, vocational ministry uh, as an option for me. And so I grew up uh, Christian church, Church of Christ. And so went to Ozark Christian College in Joplin, Missouri. Uh, While I was there, we had a church planting professor who really started spending some time with me and my wife and kind of opened our eyes to exponential planting conference and stuff like that. Uh, We had the opportunity to participate uh, Stadia, which is a Christian church, church planted group, uh, actually came on campus, assessed us. I was 22 at the time. My wife was 19, uh, got the, the okay from them, but thought this is probably a bad idea with as young as we are. So I uh, ended up in Indy for three years, uh, with an associate ministry job. Uh, but during that time, new of X 29, uh, had been listening to those guys in college uh, theologically, we weren't aligned with X-29 yet. And so there, we always had this thought of, we'd love to go with X-29, we love what they're doing. We just don't agree with them on all this stuff they believe. Uh, and then a shift theologically happened for us. Over those three years, 
And then we got assessed by A29 in February 2009 and mm. got going from there. So so what? talk to us about that shift. What was that journey like? Yeah, so I grew up um, not – it wasn't really a confessionally Arminian church, but it would have been uh, – Arminian didn't really have um, a good understanding of complementarianism yet, uh, really gospel centrality. Um, I could have gotten there, but it just wasn't – firm yet. And so I had a weekend ministry in college and my wife and I would drive back and forth. Uh, and I just started listening to the preaching of some X-29 guys, uh, which led to Piper uh, and some some other people. And so it was just kind of this um, track we got on. And then I, I tell a lot of people it was reading through Romans with Doug Moo's Romans commentary, um, and especially on some of the, the Calvinistic or Reformed end of, of what X-29 believes. Uh, that was really the final pin in place to get us there was just seeing his exposition of, you know, Romans three, Romans nine to 11, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so with a theological shift and apparently you, um, um, inquired about a two nine. Yeah. So we got assessed in Raleigh, uh, in February, 2009. Um, and again, I was 25 at the time. My wife was 22. Um, we didn't mention this in our assessment, but she was, she was pretty close on the reformed stuff, but wasn't completely there, but kind of in the weeks leading up to that, um, she had that transition for her. But uh, it was funny because we sat down for, or we got to the assessment, uh, you know, we were talking with the other applicants about, you know, hey, who's assessing you? What's this week going to look like? And I kind of went through my list and I was like, yeah, there's, you know, a couple guys, Ray Ortland, there's, you know, a few guys assessing us. I'd never heard his name before. Uh, and then the night before, it was, you know, not the interview, but the sit down with those pastors. Somebody I sent with was like, you got your ESV study Bible with you? And I was like, oh, yeah. And he's like, hey, let me show you something real quick. Uh, and as soon as I, you know, he opened the contributors list, raised names there for Isaiah. Uh, and in our hotel that night, I spent like a couple hours reading through Isaiah in the ESV study Bible. And my wife was finally just like, it's too late. Like, it's done. So, uh, but it, he was incredibly gracious. Dave Thew, Will Plitt, the guys who assessed us. We had a great introduction to Acts 29 through those guys. Uh, and they really cared for us well that first year. That's awesome. Yeah, you're, to, to have Ray Ortland as sort of your, it, it's one, intimidating, but it's also once you are around Ray, um, does anyone make you feel more loved and encouraged than Ray Ortland? Oh, no. I, I mean, when you hear the guy who's assessing me, you know, written commentaries on Isaiah, Hebrew scholar, you're bracing for the worst. And he and Janie was in there as well. His wife uh, left that assessment feeling so loved, so cared for that regardless of the outcome, uh, we had been pastored really well during that time, so we were thankful yeah. for that. And that's a great introduction, I think, to reform uh, theology and ministry to have a guy like Ray Ortland rather than yeah. you know some some other representative <laughs> that may yeah. be arrogant or brash yeah. or we know all the the, the problem uh, uh, ideas that people have of those who embrace reform theology, and it's good to have. Uh, somebody who um, not only believes grace, but uh, walks grace and talks grace uh, like Ray. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We were really thankful for that. Now, you're doing assessments currently for A29, right? Yeah. So currently in the Midwest, we do them twice a year in Minneapolis. Uh, I think I've done seven of the last eight. And so I've really enjoyed uh, doing assessments. And since 2012, I've been doing assessments for A29. So I, I really enjoy that part of this. Mm-hmm. So take us back to your assessment and the way assessments are now. What kind of uh, shifts have you seen? Yeah, when we did assessment, it was really a, a kind of a two-day conference. And so you'd have a full day of um, speakers, worship, the whole deal. 
And then the second day was really just a three hour sit down with a couple other pastors and they'd, you know, pack a lot into that two or three hours together. I, I really like what we've done um, with the assessments now. Uh, it's two or three days in Minneapolis. Um, there's a lot more uh, individual time for assessors to be with candidates. Uh, for the candidates in particular, it's not just sitting down and taking in information, but we get a lot more time. We get to hear uh, the guys preach. We get to see them in pastoral situations. Uh, I, to me, there's a lot better opportunity now for the assessors to really get to know the candidates uh, than just having a kind of a flash judgment that they have to make with some paperwork in a couple hours together. So I think it really serves the candidates a lot better now because there's real relationships being built between assessor and candidate, um, not just you know trying to make an assessment on someone you don't know as well. Yeah, that's good. That's good. So uh, take us back now to uh, the young church planter, Eric. Um, did you say you were 25 when you guys? I was, I was 25 and my wife was 22. Okay. Now, it's been uh, going on 10 years. Uh, describe your thoughts on church planting 10 years ago and um, perhaps how those thoughts have changed or developed uh, in the last decade. Yeah, I was. Uh, that's a good question. I, uh, there was kind of mixed motivations. I think there are for a lot of guys. There was definitely, we were sold on, you know, church planting is the best way to reach a city and, and non-Christians with the gospel. And so we were sold on that. We believed that. We caught the vision for that. Uh, and we saw, you know, as we were moving to Lafayette, you know, Purdue University's here, so a 40,000-person campus with one of the highest international student populations in the country, and just saw, you know, a lot of good gospel fruit that could come from here. Uh, probably in the arrogance of a 25-year-old, there was also some, you know, I've, I've worked in a church for three years. I know how to do this better than, you know, the people around me. And so uh, I, I'm sure stepping into it, there was some, you know, we've got we've got it figured out. We know how to do church. You know, everyone else doesn't as well as us. Uh, and church planning kind of beats that out of you. And you realize pretty quick, you know, no one really knows what they're doing and we're all kind of figuring this out together. Uh, and so I do, th I'm thankful for the humility uh, that's come from that as hard as it was. Uh, and in terms of how, you know, things have changed over the years, um, I think my thoughts about church planting, I just think about it a lot more slowly now. Uh, I still remember when I was 25, I had my chart of where we were going to be after 10 years. And I think we were supposed to be at like 15,000 people by now. And just, I had it all laid out. Here's how it was going to blow up. Here's, and, and just seeing, you know, 10 years in, uh, watching other churches, watching our church, just how important it is to have a solid foundation in place as ministries done, not just for the pastor, but for the church, for systems, for, you know, leadership development, whatever it might be. And so I, I, there's a lot more long-term vision of church planning now um, and a much greater desire to make sure um, we're growing uh, deep as well as wide because both have to kind of come together at the same time. Mm -hmm. You touched on this uh, somewhat there and talking about being patient and yeah. taking, taking a long view, um, but some tease out some of the challenges over the past 10 years. Part of our, our biggest challenge has been uh, – Demographic, we're a pretty unique church. So for the first two years of City of God, uh, we had uh, almost all college students. Um, and for the first two years, we had a 30-year-old. And he was like the old guy at the church. So a 30-year-old, everyone else was 20. Uh, and we were just kind of figuring it out. And so there was some challenges with that have just been being in a university town, you know, investing in people. And every three or four years, there's quite a bit of turnover. And so you're constantly training new leaders. There's There are people in place. We have a growing base of people who live in Lafayette who are a part of us. 
Uh, but for a while, we were just praying to God, you know, send us some 60-year-olds, send us some 70-year-olds. It just felt very different than the prayers I expected to be praying. Uh, with that, uh, you know, uh, mentioned the leadership stuff. Uh, with the predominantly college church, just resourcing can be a challenge at times. And so we've been thankful to the way that God's blessed us. But I remember we moved here. I had raised $10,000. I uh, wasn't planning on being bivocational and just at 25 thought like, oh, yeah, we'll just pass the offering basket and it'll come in and I'll work here. And uh, I still remember we were meeting on campus our first service ever. And the guys went to pass the baskets and I came to the back to you know see what had come in. And I started to panic because I thought they hadn't passed it around yet. And so I, I went and grabbed somebody. and I was like, hey, you guys need to do this. And they're like, we did. <laughs> and I looked in and there, I'm not, there was $4 in an Arby's coupon. And I thought... You know, that's when the panic set in. Like I was feeling good about everything, and then looking in that basket the first time, I was like, "Oh, this is gonna be harder than I thought." And so we <laughs> plans changed in that moment. Um, yeah. Did you use the Arby's coupon? <laughs> oh, I did. Uh, yeah, it was those first few years. Again, I didn't plan well uh, for the financial piece. Uh, my wife and I share the story often. A couple months in, uh, we had less than five dollars to our name, a couple hundred dollars in the church account. I was supposed to get paid the next day. We had two kids under two. We had one diaper left. And my wife and I were walking around Target just kind of beaten up. And for some reason, I thought it, this would be a helpful joke at the time. I said, honey, you know if someone offered us a million dollars right now, if we could give them five, we couldn't do it. And in my mind, that was helpful to joke. And she's, I, and that night, I still remember this vividly. I'm laying in bed, again, supposed to get paid, don't know how it's going to happen. She had rolled over, and I thought she was just going to sleep. And it was, she didn't want me to see her crying because she didn't know what we were going to do. And she's asking, has God abandoned us? Has he forgotten about us? But it was in that season, you know, waking up the next morning and someone had put a couple thousand in the church account, having anonymous envelopes of money left on our door. And for as smooth as things seem to be now that, you know, we have people, we have funding, we haven't had to worry about that in a while. Um, Some of our sweetest moments of church planting are just being so dependent on God in that season. Mm -hmm. And seeing him answer those prayers that, honestly, we kind of miss right now. So, yeah, yeah, if yeah. that makes sense. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The desperation early on—it's uh, a strange uh, experience, isn't it? Where you're you're desperate, but you're also uh, joyful in a strange in a strange way, experiencing the Lord's grace and His presence. And um, yeah, that was easily one of the the hardest seasons we had in planting, but. Uh, also easily the the closest we felt to Jesus in just a very constant way mm-hmm. throughout this process. Yeah. Um, so were you Bivo then early on? I wasn't. So I realized pretty quickly, like, maybe I do need to do this. Um, like I said, I went to Bible college. All I had was a ministry background. So I delivered pizzas for a week and it was on a college campus so there was like 2 a.m breadstick deliveries with no tip and my wife very graciously said to me like i'm gonna go be a waitress this is ridiculous and we 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 found a restaurant in town that had you know pretty good hours and she really put in a couple years where uh, she saw that as her contribution to what city of god was going to do and i was thankful for that and uh yeah that really got us through those first couple years as Mm. as city of god was you know kind of getting up and going Mm. Great story, man. That's real life uh, yeah. <laughs> in the trenches story right there. Uh, yeah, yeah. I love capturing these stories. That's so encouraging. And um, so take us from those couple of years to where, where you guys are now. Um, um, you know, how, how have you seen the Lord bless uh, the church, uh, joys you've experienced in ministry? 
Yeah, as I was thinking about joy in ministry, um, just a lot of it stems from the friendships we built, that we currently have five other elders. They're my best friends here in town. And just for my wife and I to be able to cultivate those relationships, and even to look around now and see how City of God has become uh, the center for a lot of people's relational life who call the church home, and just weddings that have come out of that, friendships that have come out of that, uh, that you see you know, God orchestrating through what was happening here. Uh, some of it is as hard as having students constantly in and out is. Uh, we found ways to celebrate it because it does become this opportunity for we've got you for a few years to give you a, a base for life with Jesus beyond college. Uh, and then seeing them, especially in a place like Purdue, hey, I'm going to Amazon or Apple or NASA or wherever they end up, um, and just getting to watch what Jesus does with what was maybe started here or encouraged here as they go on to do ministry in some of those other places. And even with the international piece, I mean, we've we've had international students baptized who are in closed countries who might not have had an opportunity to hear the gospel. And, and they've told us, I'm going to go back home and I'm going to get a job and I'm going to do what I can to bring Jesus there. Um, and it really gives some some missionary opportunities that might be more difficult in a traditional missionary sense. And so mm-hmm. uh, all that kind of stuff uh, has been bringing me joy lately. And yeah, just uh, moving, we're really, we had uh, our second child the week we moved here to plant. And so I can kind of look at him and gauge where the church is. And so kind of out of infancy, kind of figuring mm-hmm. out what life is going to look like. And it's just been fun to watch that transition happen. So um, as you look back over uh, 10 years, uh, who is someone that's encouraged you and made you a better pastor? Obviously, you mentioned your elders and those who are your your friends um, uh, there locally, or a resource perhaps that you found helpful as a church planter you would commend to others? Yeah, this might sound cliche, but when I was thinking about this question, the first person I thought was my wife, Um, just the gift that it is to have a supportive wife as you're seeking to plant, because I don't know how you do it without... Uh, that you know, times I know I preached a bad sermon, and she's constantly there, you know, lead, you know, cheerleading me on and and supporting me. And you're doing a great job. You're doing what God has called you to do. Uh, beyond that, about five years in, I went and started going to counseling, uh, specifically with a guy named Jim Cofield at Cross Point Ministries. But there's other people doing similar stuff, and it transformed our ministry for me to have that season uh, where I was working on some heart level stuff. And so I, I had a coach I was working with trying to, I thought we needed systems and strategies and planning and infrastructure. And in his wisdom, he really said, you know, you this is not what's holding City of God back. There's some stuff in you that's holding City of God back. And so const- over the past five years, I've always made sure I've got some kind of, of coach or someone speaking into my life, Jim Cofield, Elliot Grudem, so guys who really focus on that kind of stuff. Um, and then just from an X-29 perspective, I know Ray come up, came up, but... Uh, the session you led this past summer at the X-29 event with Ray and Sam Storms, uh, just a couple examples of guys who have uh, you know, kind of run their ministry, who are finishing well, who still love Jesus and love their families. Uh, it's been priceless to have those examples to, to look up to being so close to us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, no doubt, man. Yeah, I used to say when I was 25, I was very ambitious. Yeah. And now at 40, almost 43, um, I just I just want to live another 10 years and be faithful. You know, <laughs> yeah. like yeah. Uh, I'm ambitious, I think, with a gospel ambition. But uh, a lot of the idealism uh, has 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 um, been torn away from me. And I find myself uh, resonating with the book of Ecclesiastes way better than I did when I was 25. 
Yeah. Uh, I mean, you sp- like you spend enough time doing this and you have enough friends or churches who are close to you and you just you can see what happens when things go poorly. Yeah. Um and it really is this there but the grace of God you I, you know, mm-hmm. moment you start to have and so uh, just just thankful for the graces that God has put in place for us as those yeah. examples of what it looks like to do it well. Now you've been, I imagine, the primary preacher uh, yeah. for ten years, right? What what have your what your percentages? What what have they been like? Yeah, over the course of ten years, uh, it wasn't smart, but the first two years I preached one hundred and two of the first one hundred four Sundays, uh, and finally once I was just like, we're showing a video, and we did I think a Chandler sermon on a video, and I was like, I can't do it one more week, but. Uh, now it's uh, I'll preach forty Sundays a year. Okay, yeah, that's helpful. Now your other elders uh, preach those. Uh, you guys preach through books of the Bible ordinarily. We do typically, and so we'll take breaks from time to time. And really, we use the school calendar as our guide, just because it is so up and down with students. Uh, but we'll do some longer. Uh, recently, we've done um, Matthew, Genesis, Romans. All those would be like August, the May type things. Uh, but it typically is through books of the Bible. Yeah. Now, what would possibly interest you in a PhD in New Testament uh, as a 10-year church planter? Yeah, I'm rethinking this already. I'm a couple (laughs) months in, but um, I have always had a desire uh, to pursue a PhD, and I think part of that growing process for me is 10 years ago, it was for the wrong reason. It was I needed this to validate myself to people around me. I needed this for the platform, for the whatever. Uh, And like I said, just hopefully the humility that comes – with you know, ten years in, in pastoral ministry, really having a desire now to um, I want to serve my people well. I want to make sure I can um, you know handle the text as well as possible. Being in a university town, uh, also thinking about just from a, a missions perspective um, how that could be a benefit. Uh, but at a place like Midwestern in particular, I know you've done some stuff there. Uh, to be able to find a seminary that has a heart for this is for the local church. This isn't necessarily primarily for the academy. Uh, and to just spend some time with those guys who uh, it's very clear they're wanting to train pastors for ministry. Uh, so it's a blessing to learn in that context. Um, and like I said, without uh, my wife being very supportive of this, we've got an elder team who's been 100% behind it, who's taken other stuff off my plate uh, to make it possible. Uh, so I know they're sacrificing to to make it possible. And so um, just, yeah, wanting to serve my church well, uh, hopefully for another 10, 15, 20 years, however long God mm-hmm. has us here. And so... Uh, so far, it's it's been fun. It's it's become all my free time, which they made clear like this is your hobby now, which has taken some adjusting, but it's been good. Yeah. So sentence diagramming is is what you do for fun now. Instead of watching the Kentucky Georgia game the other night, I was sentence diagramming, and one of our elders was giving me a hard time. But that is real uh, sacrifice for a Kentucky <laughs> fan. That's next level, man. That's that's for real right there. Now I watched the Louisville game. There's stuff I can't okay. sacrifice, but there has yeah, there's been some sacrifices along the way. So you're having to relearn Greek, right? Or refresh well, uh, so, on Greek? Yeah. So I took six semesters in undergrad uh, and then didn't touch it for 10 years. And so it's been a real quick reteaching myself process, which uh, things have changed quite a bit, even in the 10 years since I've been out of school. So there's a ton of, of helpful ways to, to relearn that. Uh, but this Monday, I, or you know, in a couple of days, I'll have a, a proficiency exam that'll kind of chart the course for the next couple of years. So we'll see how that goes. Hmm. That's exciting. I look forward to uh, engaging with you about this uh, PhD process, man. Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, along the way, I'm sure there have been uh, particular times you've been tempted, maybe not to give up, maybe you have, but um, I, I imagine there are guys who are in the grind right now in church planting. How would you encourage them uh, today? 
Yeah, two years ago, I was done. Um, my wife and I were on a vacation in Idaho. We had gotten out of town for a little bit, and we were driving back, and we had just been through a hard season of ministry. Uh, and I told her, you know, I'm going home and turning my letter in. And, and she had kind of accepted that and thought that was the course we were going on. And so thankfully, um, in her wisdom and some of our leaders got me to just wait a little bit, gave me some time away, gave me some time to step away from from ministry for a few weeks and really process it. Uh, and part of what I've realized is that one, a lot of times it's in those difficult seasons that, that God's doing a, a work in you that you may not recognize. And there were things I needed stripped away. There was sin I needed dealt with. And when things are going smoothly in ministry, it's a lot harder for me to hear that or listen or, or, or be perceptive to that. And so I can see, you know, the good stuff that God's done through that. And I think secondly, and this has just been a constant thing for me, um, uh, it's so easy for me to have my identity wrapped up in my ministry. And so when the ministry's going well, I feel good about myself. When it's going poorly, I'm down on myself. Uh, and specifically spending time with that counselor who really tried to help me see and understand, and I'm still trying to, to get this as weird as it says. It, it might sound weird for you know a pastor who's been at it for 10 years. It's still hard for me to get the gospel, um, but to still try and get the gospel. And you know, I was in, we were in John chapter one just a couple weeks ago. Uh, and you know, just being reminded of verse 11, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Hmm. And just being reminded of, um, regardless how my ministry go is going, um, re- regardless of the fruit of it, that's still true. And trying to, to teach myself that, that, you know, I'm a child of God when city of God's doing well, I've been given the right to be a child of God when the ministry's struggling. Um, and as, as much as I can detaching my gospel identity from, uh, the metrics of success in ministry, um, it's hard to do and it's really hard to do when you're starting. Uh, but if you can't find that joy in the Lord and what he's done for you, even in the midst of the struggles of ministry, uh, I don't know how you make it through. Yeah, man. Yeah, no doubt. Um, our strength today is not in, um, how long we've been in ministry or how much we know about the Bible, but in our union with Christ yeah. and um, supercharged by our communion with Christ. Right. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, it's so important for us to, to remember that um, our strength is not in our physical uh, stature either. Eric is a massive dude when you see him. <laughs> so even, even the monsters uh, struggle and, and need to apply the gospel to, to their own heart. Right. It's true. Maybe even more so. So that's true. <laughs> hey, the next 10 years, last question. Um, it, should the Lord give us another decade? We don't want to presume upon that, but if but if he does, what are some of your goals? Yeah, we want to plant churches. And so, I mean, that's I know that's the heartbeat of Acts 29, and so we're trying to figure out how to do that well uh, with sites on hopefully planting here in the next couple of years. Uh, and so we want to see that happen. You know, as I, I say as I get older, I know I'm 35, but you know, as things have gone, there's been a greater desire on my end to to help train up other leaders. And, you know, we've got uh, a lot of college guys who love the Lord and who are thinking about ministry. And so being able to plant some of those early seeds uh, really want to start to prioritize uh, how can we give guys uh, a vision for that. And whether it's in vocational ministry or they're going to, you know, uh, get a degree and, and go off somewhere else, what does life with Jesus look like beyond that? And then even recently, we've, we've got some full-time staff who have come on uh, having the opportunity to, to really begin to invest in some other guys who uh, do care about City of God as much as I do. Um, and even, like I said, that transition from infancy to where we are now, 
uh, starting to have the thought, which is weird, what city of God going to look like beyond me? And so trying to set things in place for when I'm not here, uh, city of God will be, which I, I wasn't always sure was the case, uh, but really starting to think through uh, how can we prepare city of God for a time when I'm not here, but this ministry can go on and even thrive without me in that position. Mm, that's good, man. That's good. I'm so glad we got to capture your story, brother. Um, it's so inspiring to think about, um, you know, just your, the early struggles and uh, your work ethic and your transparency and um, uh, the, those stories have in the story of your bride. What a faithful bride, man. Um, yeah. Just praise the Lord for his grace in your life. And um, we do pray that uh, the Lord would use you to continue to bless um um, your local church to continue to use you in Acts 29 and indeed to plant more churches uh, in the next decade. No, that's great. I appreciate it, man. Yeah. Thanks for taking some time, brother, to be on the podcast. Yeah, this was fun. Looking forward to talk to you soon. Bye, brother.